In this episode, with mentalist and entertainer Jonathan Pritchard, you'll learn how your childhood may have actually programmed you for failure. And you'll learn how to set yourself free from that negative programming. And also, you will learn how to build a life of abundance, doing what you truly love. Okay, let's jump in. The Life I Deserve, sharing creative ideas, inspirational stories, and fresh perspectives that will empower you to live your life to the fullest. Hi, I'm Jack Canfield, and you're listening to The Life I Deserve by my good friend, Adrian McMillan. Welcome to The Goal Show, brought to you by The Life I Deserve. I am your host, Adrian McMillan, and I have a very special treat for you today, Jonathan Pritchard. He's the author of Think Like a Mind Reader, available on Amazon.com. He is a business consultant and keynote speaker for companies like BP State Farm, 1871, the number one tech incubator in the world, and even worked with the U.S. military. He has helped these companies to improve their customer and employee engagement in a fun, memorable, and meaningful way at trade shows, national conferences, Vegas main stages, really any place where people are gathered together, you might find Jonathan there blowing their minds. His background as a mentalist and entertainer who now shares his insights into human behavior, success, psychology, motivation, and communication. Please give a very warm welcome to Jonathan Pritchard. Hey, hey, glad to be here, man. So glad to have you. Why don't you tell us a little bit about your background so we can just kind of get to know you? Yeah, boy, when when all that stuff gets put together in one place, it sounds really impressive. <laughs> like, man, I would be impressed by me. That's <laughs> so the my back background is I grew up in North Carolina on a dirt road in a single wide trailer. And there were some days where it was either my lunch money or gas for my parents to go to the factory job. So that's kind of where I, I got started. And the library was my saving grace. I happened to find some magic books, got enthralled, started practicing magic tricks. When I was 13, I learned how to juggle fire, uh, then learned how to hammer nails up my nose, eat fire. And I just never looked back. My first paid gig was 200 bucks that summer when I was 13 and went, wait a minute, I just have to walk around and, and talk to people? All right, that's great. And that was kind of the start of my entrepreneurial pathway, but I was super shy, but it was my mentor's scripts that allowed me to engage people without feeling like I was on the line. Right? So he would say, all right, here's my script. I would watch him perform and then go, oh, so he gets the laughs this way by saying this that way. Okay, got it. So if I say what he says, the way he says it with the right timing in the right spot, I'm going to get those laughs too. So I, I, the older I get, the more I understand I'm blessed for understanding the power of mentorship and having guidance from people who have been there, done that, and desperately want you to succeed. So that's been kind of my recipe for, for success ever since. But I went, I went to college for painting, 
So I've got a degree in painting and fine art. And in college, I met my other mentor, James Randi, who had a million dollar challenge to anybody who claimed to be psychic or have supernatural abilities. Well, I was the guy handling the applications and designing testing protocol. So basically, I saw every way that people were trying to scam their way to the million dollars. And then that became the basis for the 70-minute theater show that I would do, which is a mentalism show, which basically makes it look like I can read minds, predict the future, influence people's choices. And it's all based on information management and communication skills. I'm not actually psychic, but I, I know how to make it look like I, I can do impossible things because I understand exactly how people think. So did that for about 10 years, traveling the world, like, like you mentioned, entertaining the troops overseas, performing in Vegas at uh, hundreds of, of colleges all over the country, and helping people forget their problems for an hour is fantastic. Like, people need that, and, and that is a laudable goal. But then having the college kids come up to me afterwards, and I'm signing autographs, because to them, I'm a rock star. They don't know I'm not, so I am. And you know, signing autographs after the show, and you hear this enough, it, it eventually clicks. People would say, man, you're living the dream. You're traveling around. You're getting paid money to do what you love. And here it is. I can't even imagine doing what you do. Like, I can't even imagine doing that. And if you can't imagine anything, how are you going to make it a reality? So if you can't imagine a life you would want to live, how are you going to make it happen? Uh, spoiler alert, you're not. Right. So I started talking to people after the shows and inadvertently they were my first coaching clients because I realized to get from a poor kid in the mountains, North Carolina, where if you're a tree, that's a great resource to be. But I, I didn't grow up in a big city or around anybody. Right. So the way that I grew up practicing and, and thinking about opportunities, how to make them happen, how to make connections really quickly with with people and making strangers feel comfortable on stage with me, all of those are really high value skills that almost nobody knows how to cultivate. So I realized, okay, these skills I use in my own life on and off stage could help other people solve their problems long-term. So that's why I started transitioning to be a business consultant because my, my figuring was, the more I help companies, help their employees, help their clients, I'm doing much more good for the world than I am just as an entertainer. So make people laugh and give them the skills to improve their lives long-term and build experiences that they actually are, are excited to have instead of just the, the drudgery of the day-in, day-out slog of doing what it is I, I've been told I should want to do, but there's this tiny voice in the back of my head that's just screaming, but I've spent so long doing it this way that I just got to keep suppressing that, that scream for as long as I can, and then your life blows up. So I, I don't want to see people do that because I've experienced a, a different path. Right. And, and so helping people create a life that is specially designed for them is just so incredibly rewarding 
to to help make a positive impact in the world. So that's that. that's what wakes me up in the day. So that's kind of how I've gotten to where I am now and and why I wake up every day excited to to help people figure stuff out. Awesome. Yeah, you you so you touched on how people kind of suppress what they really want or they're afraid to even imagine a better life. And unfortunately, I think that's most of the people out there. So, yeah. and and it happens from every angle. Growing up, our like everything is set up to reinforce: listen, pay attention, do as you're told, so that the gatekeepers who have what you want will then allow you to have it. Right. So, go to school, sit down, shut up, listen to what we tell you, regurgitate what we've what we've told you. And take a test really well, which only evaluates how well you can tell us what we want to hear, which is the process of ensuring that that's the best strategy that those students have. If you're a free thinker and creative and wacky and and follow your own curiosity, you're going to fail out of school. But then how are you going to go to college to get a degree to get a good job? Well, I, I had a normal job for nine months, and then I was invited to pursue other opportunities because it was for culture fit. And I was proud to not fit into the culture of having to always be available 24 seven. Anytime the boss calls, no matter what I was doing, I have to drop my boundaries and allow this person into my life just because they give me a paycheck. But no, no, thank you. My time, my mission, my abilities are mine. And I will allow myself to engage with people who respect my boundaries, but you don't own me. You don't own my time. You don't own my results. I want to freely engage with my life. So that whole culture of always on, yes, sir, kind of toe the line, that's, that's not me and that's not most people, right? Yeah. That, that's the tiny voice inside saying, there's got to be something different. There's got to be a better way than showing up at an office I don't like, surrounded by other people who are just as miserable, but plastering on a smile because this is this is what you do. Yeah. And I'm a shiny example that, nah, man, there are other ways to do it. <laughs> and we live in the best time it's ever been to be a human being. You've you've got the ability to reach people all over the world with the magical square in your pocket. But your phone, if you're listening to this podcast or watching the video, you've got access to all the technology you would ever need to create value for the world that could free up your money from your effort. You put in the effort once, and then you can sell it infinite amount of times. That's the way to do it, not showing up and trading your time as best you know how, right? But so many amazing points already there. I'm already thinking that we're going to have to have a follow up show because <laughs> you, you you just touched on so many great things there, and and you made me think about a lot of different aspects of of getting what we want out of life. I have seen so many people, and you can see this in kids. You can see them like at five or six years old. They are so creative. You ask them what they want to be. They're like astronaut or this or that. Like they'll just crazy stuff. And then you can see usually, I don't know, around 10 or 12, they, it's almost like the dreams get suppressed and crushed. 
it it sounds like a truism. It sounds like a duh. This is so obvious. Why are you even saying it? But you get good at what you practice. So for 12, 13 years, you've been practicing figuring out what do they want to hear from me? What do I have to say? What do I have to think in order to to not get thrown out, right? So you've been practicing figuring out what to think and spent almost zero time figuring out how to think, how to evaluate claims, how to identify opportunities, how to leverage the resources you have right now to maximum effect to create something that you just dreamt up, right? So so knowing how to think is so much more important than knowing what to think, but it's really difficult to test that. It's really difficult to go how to think, A, B, C, D, right? What is the correct answer, B, but how well, that's a slippery thing to try to evaluate. So it's just easier all the way around for the students to regurgitate something, for the, the teachers to just say, here's what you have to regurgitate. And you just sidestep the entire process of knowing how to think, how to focus, how to preserve your attention, how to, how to set aside time and create value whether or not you feel motivated to it, not being tied to your emotions in order to create th- something, right? Mm-hmm. So that everybody knows that you've got to be motivated to do your best work. But you know, I don't feel motivated right now, so I'm not going to do my best work, so I'm not going to do anything. And then six months later, you wake up and you go, oh my God, I've not done anything. Now I feel even worse. So I'm even in a worse place to do any sort of work. So I know I won't even do half of my best work. So I'm not going to do anything anyway. And now a year has gone by and you go, boy, I really wish I would have started that thing. Whereas just saying, here's an outcome I want. Here are the resources I have right now. I can do something in two minutes right now that can move me one millimeter closer to where I want to be. And that is more progress than thinking and dreaming about hoping to be motivated will ever get you in a decade. Right. So, yeah, so yeah I, I tend to just, uh, a saying that a buddy of mine in high school said once is just stuck with me. He goes, man, it's like you're sandblasting a soup cracker, right? It's just, it's like drinking from the fire hose, but you don't really hold anything back. And all these excuses that people come up with, well, it's easy for you because X. I'm like, nope, that's not the case. Well, I can't because why? Well, here's why that's not the case either. I just really am a straight shooter, direct to the point, because we're alive once. Man, we don't have time to just dance around it. The faster you figure out what's actually wrong, the sooner you can fix it. And hint, it's always you. <laughs> that's, exactly. It's always the way you think about things that's limiting you, not your situation, not your location, not anything other than how you're thinking about what you think the problem is. Right. So it's, a, it's a meta level. It's, it's beyond your emotions. It's beyond your thoughts. It's the way in which your mind is functioning that reinforces what you believe to be real limits but those are just the limits you've practiced and gotten used to and used to using to 
be significant, to get sympathy from other people, attention and love, right? So these are just strategies that you're really good at using. And I come in and then show you why they're just made up fantasies themselves. So why not make up a fantasy that empowers you instead of keeping you in a quagmire, the problems that you've had for, for years? Exactly. You know, most of my teachings, most of what I lead my students through is based on Jack Canfield's success principles. And in his success principles, the number one thing we have to start with, get people to realize is, it's just like you mentioned, Jonathan, that it's not them. It's not the administration. It's not the job it's not the weather it's it's me it's it's taking full control of my life which you know believe me i can come up with excuses anybody can come up with excuses but we have to adopt that belief if we don't adopt that belief nothing that comes after that makes any difference nothing no, no advice that i give no advice you give makes any difference if people don't try to take the approach of i'm responsible for me and my life Exactly. The, the, way, the way I experience that is an either or. You can either take credit or you can take responsibility. Now, taking credit is for when things go right and you want to attribute that to the choices I've made. And yes, the, I am the reason why everything went perfectly. But the minute something goes bad, you point and you go, oh, that's responsible. Everything other than my choices right? So the instant you give up responsibility, you're also giving up the possibility of control, of being able to make different choices to get different outcomes. You're giving away right? your power. Yeah. So, so it's always focusing on what is it that you're in control of, nothing other than how you think. That's it. Because how you think determines how you feel, how you feel determines how you behave. Exactly. And since we live in a physical world, how you behave is how all of your mindset manifests itself in your life. And then that will either reinforce your previous beliefs because you behaved in accordance with them. So, of course, the cause and effect is going to just infinite loop back onto why you believe this way. But you can disprove yourself once by choosing a different behavior that gets you a different response and you go, oh, now I can behave differently. I, now I can, I, I can believe something different. Now I can think a different way, right? So it's an it's a infinity loop of a Mobius strip of behavior and thought and belief, always going back and forth and, and reinforcing each other. Exactly. When I work with people, there's two areas of focus that I primarily want to help people with. And the first area is to appreciate. I, I feel like it's, if people don't realize what they have in the first place, how do you expect to go from there? So that's the first area I really, I want them to say, hey, focus on what's good. What do you appreciate? And then the other big area of focus is how do you want the life, your life to be? And I want them to focus on it, not just it's out there, how it will be. I want you to focus as if it's now, you know, that mm -hmm. power of it's here. I can feel it. I can taste it. What is it like? Because that generates the ideas, 
the resources, the tools, everything we need to get there. So regarding those two areas, you know, mm-hmm. focusing on what's good now and then focusing on what we want, what tips or, or what I'm thinking right now is like with your incredible understanding of focus, what goes on in your mind when it comes to focus on appreciation or focus well, on what I want well, to achieve? To you just said my magic word, which is appreciation, because to me that that is it. Um, most people associate a positive connotation to appreciation, but think of it more like you are a pawn shop, and somebody brings in something, you appreciate its value, right? You evaluate it for its worth. You go. Is this worth something or not? So you can even appreciate the negative things for the lessons that they can teach you. It's not to say that you have to love it. It's not to say that you have to trick yourself into liking it. But if you don't appreciate everything, you won't understand where you are or how to get somewhere you want to be. Mm -hmm. Right. So that's why. To me, appreciation is infinitely more effective than gratitude. Everybody loves to tout this gratitude practice, but all that is is an emotional response. So you're trying to trick yourself into feeling something, right? Mm -hmm. So no wonder you've got this quiet voice in the back of your head going, well, I'm I'm not expressing gratitude enough, and I'm not feeling grateful. It's like, right, because... That's just a momentary feeling. You're trying to lie to yourself into feeling something and you're smart enough to not lie to yourself. So that's why gratitude doesn't work. But appreciating all of your experiences and situation helps you understand where you are, right? So that's why appreciation is the foundation. And in your focus most people don't have practice maintaining focus on something. Right. And to, to prove it to yourself, you can, after we do this, just pause it and then try it for yourself. This is something that my high school debate teacher led us through. He goes, all right, let me uh, show you what monkey mind is and uh, to show you that you're not in control of your mind. Just think of a doorknob. Just think of a doorknob for two minutes. That's all you got to do. Just keep your attention on a doorknob for for two minutes, we'll set a timer. And then 10 seconds goes by. And he's like, all right, how many of you were thinking about the doorknob? And it was like, oh, no, I was thinking about marshmallows. How did, <laughs> how did I get there, right? So most people can't focus, not because it's an inherent impossibility. It's just that they don't have the practice of maintaining focus, right? And it's the same weird, weird beliefs that keep people from, well, I can't go do yoga because I'm not flexible. You know, I can't go to the gym because I'm not strong. Uh, Oh, I could never run because I'm not fast. It's like you totally have flipped the reasons for cause and effect. You're confusing the effect as the cause and it's not, right? It's like you do yoga to get strong, to get, right? So Mm -hmm. people allow their, well, uh, I can't focus, so I'm not going to meditate. Oh, I can't focus. So I'm not going to write this book. Oh, I, right. It's like, yeah. and I, I learned a great response uh, for that um, from actually Jack Canfield. When people say something like that, say, well, what if you could focus? What would you think about? Yep. <laughs> well, what that if you is, could? 
Yeah, that is a, a phenomenally powerful technique for a lot of things. And that comes across in, in a live mentalism performance, right? So if I say, pick something, well, now everybody goes, well, what does this say about me? It is my choice. So it's going to reflect on me as a person and everybody's going to judge me for it. And, through all the options. Right. So you get trapped in that logic loop of, oh my goodness, right? But if you go, you know, if you were going to do something, what would you do? Now it's playful and hypothetical. So they go, well, you know, I would imagine this doing, I would do this. You go, outstanding. So if that happened, then what about this thing? And that's how they can imagine going forward. And then at the end, you collapse the possibility. You now say, and now that we are here, mm -hmm. wait, no, I, I was in fantasy land. You go, nope, we're now back into real time. And look, I predicted that we would get here, right? So, so you can kind of abstract out into hypothetical to get people free from the terror of disassociating from their current framework, get them into a new state, drop them into that state, and suddenly they're now existing in a new context, which is kind of cool. So cool. Can you tell us about some kind of challenge you faced in life and where these type of skills were, were able to kind of help you to push through that challenge or maybe even leverage it for the better? It, it's kind of neat because most people think that being a mind reader would be the best thing ever. Like that would be the superpower you would want because suddenly all communication is easy because you just know exactly what people are thinking and how, right? And that you, you wouldn't fall prey to your own mind traps. But I am living proof that that is not so. Right? So, so one of the, the biggest things was that I had a belief for the longest time that I'm the performer. You know, I've got an agent and it's the agent's job to go get work. And I show up and do what I'm good at, which is entertaining audiences. So I didn't do any promotional stuff. I didn't market myself. I didn't advocate for my own excellence. Right? I'm, I'm world-class at what I do, but I underplayed it because I was too humble. Right? It's like, no, I'm, I'm pretty good. But people who aren't as talented are so much better at advocating for their own success. I'm the best there's ever been. I'm right. So of course they're going to get more work. And then it was my belief that, well, my agent should be working harder. My agent should be promoting me more effectively. And I'm an entertainer, so I'm not going to get, right? I'm not going to do things to help myself out because that's not my job. So that was a limiting belief that allowed me to just spiral out for way longer than I would like to say. <laughs> but but it's, it's waking up to, oh, I can do something to move the needle. I, I can do something proactive to better my situation today. Right? And then do that little bit over time. You're going to be so much better off than blaming anybody else for something they didn't do for you when you don't even do something for yourself. What, what advice do you have for someone who, um, you know, we're, we just kind of talked about, okay, what if I say I can't focus and we, we're not there to say, well, what if you could and take them through a process? What's something that they can kind of do on their own to, to harness that power of, 
focus and where their attention is. I mean, because it becomes so much more important every day. There's so many little things. We become uh, a society uh, that is embarrassing compared to a goldfish. <laughs> right, right. There's a, there's a really peculiar thing that human beings are just wired to do. And there's a, a great, there's a great demonstration of this in a kind of a live workshop. So you guys at home will just have to kind of think through this. So imagine there's a whiteboard or whatever, and I write down three, seven, uh, 32 and 94. And I say, there's a pattern to those numbers. Your job is to figure it out. And then say, what would, what would be a number that would fit the pattern that would be after 94? And then watch what happens. Now, before I explain what happens, you at home, you're, after I tell you what works, you're going to think, oh, I would have figured that out. But take it from me, having done this hundreds and hundreds of times and having fewer than 5% of anybody figure this out, you won't, right? So what happens is everybody goes, uh, 97. And I'm like, yep. And uh what about 117? I'd be like, yep, that works. And they're like, okay, cool. So then this goes on for a long time. And then I go, so what's the rule? And everybody's like, oh, I, it's this. And I'm like, nope, that's not the rule. Uh, it's this. Nope, that's not the rule. Uh, it would be this. Nope, that's not the rule. Nobody tries to disprove what they think the rule is. That's the point. The, the pattern is... The next number just has to be higher than the one before it. That's it. Right, right. So to find that that's the rule, you have to show what number wouldn't work. Mm -hmm. So everybody's looking for the number that would work to try to reinforce their belief of what they think the idea is when the more effective thing is to try to disprove the theory that you have. Mm. So the, the fastest way would be to go, would seven work? And they go, no. Would 93 work? No. Would 95 work? Yes. Would 96 work? Yes. Would 91 work? No. You go, oh, okay. Now I know where it doesn't work. Now I know where it does work. Okay. There we go. So most people are looking for reasons to reinforce their belief. Mm -hmm. So you're looking for things to reinforce what you already assume. Mm -hmm. So the fastest way to do that is to try to disprove that thing you know is rock solid, which is, a, which is really weird and counterintuitive, and most people don't like doing that because you might be wrong. Right? <laughs> so let's keep looking for information that reinforces why we're right, because that feels great. That's great. Let's do more of that. Right? But you might be wrong, but you're, you're not going to, on your own, figure that out. Right. right. So try just one day proving yourself wrong on why you can't do something, why you shouldn't do that, why you can't do that. Mm -hmm. Right. So just try to prove yourself wrong just one day and then realize that's like trying to write with your other hand for just one day. You're not going to be good at it. It's, it's going to take focus, attention, effort, concerted effort over time yeah. to, to even get near comfortable with it right. but at least you can prove to yourself that you've got more options available to yourself than what you've believed were open until now 
I like it. What I'm taking from that is that most people, they will, and, I, and I've told people, a lot of people this, hey, focus on what you want and focus on how you can make that happen. And if you're, if here's like a completely different approach, which I'm taking from this, um, is that, okay, if you do want to focus on it can't be done, yeah, prove that. Yeah, like prove why it can't be done. Go for that. There is a great book called Go For No. I think I think that's the name of it. It's like a sales book. And instead of, you know, I'm going to make these calls, I'm going to go reach out to these people that are trying to make these sales, and I, and I need the yes, I need the yes. It's like, hey, just go for no, go for no, go for no. And it's like, it's so crazy. But hey, if you go for no, you're going to get used to just doing that and doing that and doing that. And you know what? Somebody's going to screw you up with a yes. <laughs> right, right. Because if you're so afraid of the no, you're going to put off doing the thing that will get them to tell you no. But the sooner you get to know, the more time you have available to go find that weirdo that's going to say yes. Yeah. Right? And then you get comfortable also in that process. You're like, hey. Right, right. And, uh, and, and so many people are like, oh, I can't do this. I've tried nothing and nothing has worked. <laughs> right. It'll never happen. I've tried nothing. It's like, right. okay, you've not really proved anything to yourself. But also, you could enumerate for 2,000 years stuff you're not for, right? 2,000 years of things you're against, and you haven't told me one minute what you're for, right? So instead of a, a negative or a retraction, well, I'm not for that. Oh, this won't work. That won't work. This can't happen. That can't happen, blah, blah, right? Never have you ever once said, I want this to happen, mm -hmm. right? So if, if you don't understand what effect you want to have on the world, you're not that good of a magician, right? So it's like, it's your show, man. You're creating this experience for the audience. It's your job to know where you're headed. And if you don't practice getting to the conclusion of the magic trick, you're not that good of a magician. So most people haven't even gotten to the first part of what magic trick do I want to do for my audience? What magical experience do I want to have in my own life? What what awesome thing do I want to create? I don't know. What I don't want is this, that, and the other thing, this, that, right? Well, I don't want to juggle. I don't want to fly. I don't want to do this. I don't want to do that. I don't want to do this. I don't want that. I don't want that. I want to, right? So that, so to me, it's not so much positive as in a psychotic disassociation from reality and ignoring all bad things happening. Mm -hmm. It's just being able to assert a direction. I want to move over there. That's moving towards something because moving away from something, well, you could have 359 other degrees range of motion that, that is still could be the wrong direction. Sure. But if you know where you're going, well, now you can go exactly in that direction. I love it. Speaking of, tell us what is next in your direction. You've accomplished some great things. Uh, I've watched your videos. I have not seen you yet in person, but I, I'm going to have to now because uh, I've, I have seen your videos. Very impressive. You played at, I think, all the major venues for mentalists and magicians. So what is your next big challenge and what, how are you going to tackle that? Well, the weirdly, the, the next big challenge I have is writing a book on Kung Fu and martial arts. As that's, that's been another passion of mine for years. And I like 
that it, it deals with physical reality. That's the square one. And then learn how to navigate that world. And then you'll set yourself up for the, the more abstract things. So that's the, the next book that I'm, I'm writing. But on the, the coaching and training side, I just, I'm still excited to, to show up and help people imagine different possibilities. I love it. So speaking of, how can people reach out and take advantage of you helping them to imagine those possibilities? Well, the, the best way to get started is to read my book, Think Like a Mind Reader, because it's 20 years worth of conversations and the same 20 topics kept popping up again and again and again. I go, okay, so these are the most valuable that could help people the most make the, the biggest impact on their life. So it wound up being the same conversations, just the people changed. Right? So the details and the people changed, but the principles didn't. So I packed all of those and tour stories and, and life on the road and adventures. I crammed all that into the book. And you can actually use the book as a prop to read your friends' minds. So learning how to use the book to pull off that magic trick is a huge part of learning how to be a better communicator. Right? So that, that's cool. So that's kind of square one. And then I've got a video course that piggybacks on that and takes those ideas deeper. And if you make it through all of that, I would be impressed. And if you want specific insight on how I could help or why your situation is different, I do one-on-one -on -one coaching. So the best place to get started is to go, just go to thinklikeamindreader.com. So that's a good hub. And for the speaking and trade show and uh, large-scale events that I, I help with, just go to jonathanpritchard.guide. So if you are involved in anything like that, I want to help you. Awesome. Thinklikeamindreader.com and also jonathanpritchard.guide. Is that what you said? Uh-huh. Yep. So it's just kind of like the guide to all things me. Great. Love it. Well, it's been a pleasure to have you on my show. And yeah, there's so much uh, great knowledge that you have and uh, great insight that I, I might have to have you back sometime. Uh, <laughs> it, it would be my pleasure. I, I love sandblasting soup crackers. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds great. So thank you so much for your time, Jonathan, and uh, have a fantastic, magical day. My pleasure. In this episode, you learned about the power of purpose and how being clear on your mission can add clarity, meaning, and direction to your life. To help you to get clear on your purpose and your mission, I'm providing you with a free gift. Just go to thelifeideserve.com slash purpose for a simple yet beautiful guide on the advantages of clarifying your purpose and how to actually achieve that clarity. Again, thelifeideserve.com slash purpose. Thanks for listening. You deserve to be happy. You deserve to live a passionate, fulfilling life. Subscribe so we can take this journey together. A journey of sharing, learning, and growing. A journey to the life you deserve.